We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the retweets. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for the comments. Just, well, thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Jay Mogpuntai, a marketing expert and founder of AuthorJump. Jay came to me through one of the best cold emails I've ever received. Sorry, Vlad. And we talk a bit about the process in this episode. Jay started out in the military and then a corporate job. His first business as an entrepreneur was making and selling t-shirts. The company grew bigger than he ever imagined, but he found that what he really enjoyed and was good at was marketing. He left the t-shirt business and focused on learning all he could about effective online marketing, even moving to Thailand to live and work with a mentor. Jay has since developed a marketing campaign strategy based on nonfiction books. He helps experts, coaches, and others to write and then market their books as a way to gain clients and build their businesses. Himself a lifelong learner, he's a big believer in experts sharing their knowledge with the world through books and sees them as the ideal lead generation tool. Now, let's get better together. Jay Mugpontai, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Jari? How are you, my man? Nice ah, to see you. Yeah, thank you. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And uh, like I said before, as long as I can get your name right, the rest of this conversation is going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, yeah. <laughs> as they say. I'm um, all good, bro. I'm all good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's really cool about um, how we met is that you sent me probably well, was a pretty awesome cold email. Um, and I was just telling you a little bit before we started recording that I was literally teaching people how to craft their perfect pitch yesterday in a webinar and I, sh- I forgot to put yours in. So what, what I'm going to do is, um, I'm actually going to put it in the ebook I'm working on of the same thing, which was really cool. Cause yours was pretty stellar and, um, you were reaching out on behalf of, uh, author jump. You're the founder of author jump. Really cool idea, awesome copy on your on your website, you know, authorjump.com. Um, but before we get into all that fun stuff and kind of what you're doing now, why don't you uh, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Yeah, man, that's a good question. Always a good starting point. Um, okay, so just a little bit of the backstory because it's never just um, I want to do that. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a journey. Um, I was in the military, working in corporate, realized I didn't really like it. And then I started getting into entrepreneurship. When I got into entrepreneurship, I was printing t-shirts out of my backyard and printing up t-shirts for other people, selling t-shirts at the swap meet, trying to figure out, okay, how can I grow this business? Uh, 
and pretty much just a Google search, how to grow your business, how to grow online, all of these things that we've all kind of done. Um, this was back then. I found out how to use Facebook pages. And none of these strategies work today. <laughs> it's <laughs> all been arbitraged work. out. So yeah, they're all they're all been phased out, but I used yeah. those strategies I learned to grow that business out of my backyard into this full operating industrial workspace in an industrial area of San Diego. So I'm like, hey, this is cool. Uh, this online marketing thing works like a charm. It's super easy. And I thought I I thought I pretty much made it as an entrepreneur. But I had fulfillment issues. And I realized like, okay, uh, this business has to close. But I, I still, on that process, I found my love for online marketing. And in trying to do online marketing, that in itself, as marketers do, as all marketers are pretty much guilty of this when they first start, is they can get clients for everyone else, but they have a hard time getting clients for themselves. 100%. And um, at the time... Uh, I was do I was willing to do anything to make this thing successful, at least for in you know this whole idea of becoming an online business person, showing people how to market themselves. And I went to Thailand. I moved to Thailand under to pretty much just live and learn from this other entrepreneur who invited me to just stay with him because I went to Thailand for a mastermind and I met him and he was like, "Yo, come over here and live with me. I'll teach you everything." And I said, "Okay, if you're serious, I'll do it." <laughs> I did it. Um, and one of the things I learned in Thailand was to write a book. So I wrote a book. That book helped me to get a whole lot of clients. It influxed my business with a lot of clients. I started making more money than I've ever made before. And I pretty much adjusted to that. So I was helping people build their business through webinars, which is what I learned from my uh, mentor at the time. And then I switched to helping people write their books because even writing a book is even easier than building this whole marketing campaign full of emails, and learning how to webinar, build webinars and teach webinars. So my business became helping people write their books to grow, write books to grow a business. So that's the business I'm in now. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's uh, well, it's like, I have a very fond affection for writers um, because I'm one and I've done a bunch of books as well. And it's always just the fascinating thing that half the battles right in a silly book. The other half, the battles getting actually people to read it <laughs> and buy yeah. it. And, you know, even though I do PR and marketing for a living, you're hundred percent, right. It's like, I can get clients for other people, hard to get clients for me. And more importantly, client is a pretty broad term, i.e. people to buy your book or whatever. Yeah always challenge it when it's for yourself. And I find it really fascinating. Again, when you cold emailed me, I was like, I was intrigued and impressed because I have a lot of author friends and the number one frustration they have is building their platform. How do I get people to actually pay attention to the great writing I've done? Because most people that are serious about writing, they write pretty well. Then it's not, it, writing is, it's, it's, there's a bar, there's a standard. And once you're above the standard, whatever that standard may be, it's all about your platform. And a lot of writers get frustrated by that because they're not naturally like, you know, entrepreneurs. I mean, I, I call them authorpreneurs. Actually, I don't call them that. Joanna Penn is the one that turned authorpreneur. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the frustrations always is like, well, how do I build my platform? How do I get people to read my work that I've spent in some cases, three, four, I mean, some of these three, four, five years writing. So, you know, Tell us a little bit about Author Jump and, and kind of how that works because it's 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 a fascinating idea. This thing, write a book to promote yourself, and yeah. I'm just curious how it works. Yeah, okay, it's, that's that's a good question because we dig in a little bit deeper. Um, one thing is we like to sell sell books, and the reason for that, Jari, is because books are timeless. People read them. The people that the people that read books are usually typically. I mean, this is this is not true across the board, but they're intelligent people. Usually, have a little bit more disposable income because they're smarter. Um, and we like to sell books because they're also very easy yeses. So, what we build for clients uh, for our clients is one: we help them write a book if they don't have one. Once they do have a book, we build this whole entire, as you said, a platform around it build an entire campaign, one singular campaign to get the people to buy their books. 
And we call it a Jumpify campaign. But if anyone who's well-versed in the marketing space is basically an acquisition funnel where we sell, uh, we write a long-form sales page, we sell the book, attach some bonuses to it, um, attach also some upsells if they have any. That way, uh, it enables our authors to run advertisements at a break-even point and then sell their higher ticket programs. So they're able to sell their books and their whatever extra bonuses to just kind of offset advertising costs Mm -hmm. so that they're now booking calls with qualified people who have read their books, people that know, like, and trust them already because they've already been indoctrinated somehow through the book or through some bonus content videos, whatever. And getting on phone calls with people is a lot more easier. So that's the, the, basically the two parts of what we do. We want, we help, again, we help them write a book. If they don't have one, usually we typically try to stick with smaller books books that can get digested solving one problem mm-hmm. or outlining a whole, a whole entire system that, you know, the author has, has developed. And then from there we build a, build this platform so that they can get clients with their book. So we okay. don't rely so much on uh, feeding the Amazon algorithm. Although we do, we do do that. Like when you launch, cause it's nice to have the best selling author <laughs> title. Oh yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's always great to see your name on Amazon. I, I will not lie. That yeah. Like one yeah, of the, no, that's true. Is one of the coolest things. There's two, two cool things. Seeing your name on Amazon as an author. And for me personally, I love signing books like physical books. So anytime anyone's like, Oh, can you sign my book? I'm like, what would you like me to write to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just feels good, you know? And, and so it sounds like from, from your, what your business does, it's, you're using the book and it's non nonfiction books. I mean, obviously this wouldn't work for like fiction or memoir or maybe it would. I mean, I think we're, but we're just going to, we'll just stick with the nonfiction book, the nonfiction book for someone that's trying to educate. sounds like educate the people that potentially may buy a program, a coaching, a service, you know, something that's sort of leading down this sort of slippery slope to, like you said, no, like, and trust you enough to say, yeah, okay. Yeah. I need your thing. And I find this super fascinating because, um, you know, this is something I'm trying to do. Uh, and it, it's funny because, you know, being a firm, you know, with clients, um, you know, usually the acquisition client acquisition process, the biz dev process is, is really hard because, you know, you got to convince someone to pay you to do whatever, um, and you know, that's why, like you mentioned webinars and books are a really good kind of platform for that, but not only for consulting companies or coaching companies, I've found even for SaaS companies, B2B companies where the CEO, the CTO, the CMO also write something that helps them either use the tool that they're offering or get a leg up. And the best one is, um, Vizme um, is a company. I know uh, this guy, uh, sorry, Farzad. Sorry, sorry, Farzad. I forgot your name for a second. He, he's now at Respana, but when he was at Vizme, he wrote this whole book about how to, you know, growth hack, how they growth hacked Vizme through content and outreach and everything. But it's, you know, it's a B2B book, but it's also like, oh, well, if you like what he did, you're probably going to like this, you know, this tool. So, do you just focus on like coaches and, and, you know, firms or have you had some success with like SaaS companies, people that the more traditional product quote unquote? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. I, I, I can't, I don't have one that's specifically meant to grow a SaaS. I've helped him write his book, but not build a platform for him. Mm-hmm. So I helped him write his book. Um, but when it comes to the other stuff, the marketing stuff, we didn't actually help him. He decided to do it on his own. Um, but it would, I don't see why it wouldn't work. <laughs> it's basically because when someone's reading your book, they are, they're, they're, you're changing their beliefs. They're spending their time. They're crossing, they're crossing the neurons in their mind, trying to understand what you understand. And your beliefs are starting to be implanted as their own, as they're reading. Of course, there'd be a little bit of pushback if it's not something that's totally aligned with them. But at the end of the day, they're building rapport with you and they're understanding the way you think. So if they, if you had a, I mean, it could be anything. They're going to start to believe what you're believing or they'll just stop reading. 
So by the time they get to the end of your book, if you have a business that you're trying to promote at the back end of it, whether it be a SaaS, a product, a coach, whatever it is, as long as there's a business, then I feel the book is going to benefit great. Uh, it will benefit your business immensely. Um, and then, of course, the platform on the other end, what we do, uh, the marketing side. Uh, yeah, I've, I'm pretty confident in my abilities to build those types of campaigns for just about anything. Hmm. So um, whether it be a SaaS company, whether, whatever it is, as long as it's just not trying to sell other books, because that's, uh, you know, not so much. Yeah, I just, I, the thing is, Dari, I just really like to focus on the, the people that who sell coaching or consulting or some type of membership mm-hmm. because they get bigger results. The bigger results they get, the bigger results I get. <laughs> Very oh, selfishly. Well, no, I well, I mean, no, like you've niched down. I think that's one thing that, a lot of entrepreneurs don't tend to do, or they have this awesome idea and they're like, Oh, this is going to be applied to anything. And you're like, well, maybe you should kind of get a beachhead first, like figure out at least one, you know, what what someone said, maybe it was, uh, Oh, I don't remember his name, but he said the riches are in the niches. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's a common one. Yeah. yeah, Very common one, you know, very common meme. And, but I, I like that, like, thought process, especially for business owners and entrepreneurs. I mean, yeah, like know who your customer is and know how you can get them the most value and most success so that you're successful. And even though you may be able to do it for other things, and maybe one day you will, maybe there's like, you crack the code. Maybe you become like, yeah, I'm the book guy. And this is how you can use the book to do lead gen for your SaaS business. Because a lot of people, when I when I work with SaaS companies, because my, my expertise is IoT, smart home, consumer medical device, and B2B SaaS, which all have the same kind of common problem where you're trying to educate a marketplace on why to use your tool or your hardware or whatever in an ecosystem where there's a lot of other players that have to interact. I mean, one one of the beautiful things about software nowadays is that everything, right, it can be connected. And the connections are where the value is, the ecosystem, like, mm. and, and how you do that is important. And I'm always trying to convince them to write a little ebook, do a webinar, take the webinar and build a, you know, thought leadership, which I don't like the word, <laughs> the, the quote unquote name of that, but are, are, yeah, getting back to thought leadership. I mean, are they like, are these thought leaders they're trying to build the thought leadership kind of platform or am I missing that? Because it seems like it is, but I, I, I'd love your thoughts. Yeah. No. What, what do you mean exactly? Can you rephrase that question? So a lot of times coaches, programs, what they want to be able to do is like, I am the expert in blah. So, Hey, if you want like Russell, Russell Brunson, I think is the guy that does click funnels, right? Yeah. So he's like a thought leader in funnel, sales funnels. Like if you want to learn about sales funnels, Go to ClickFunnels, download all his ebooks, do his webinar. Like he's like pretty much nailed it on thought leadership, and he's got a bunch of books actually. Yeah, actually read. Yeah, I've actually read one of them. I've Um, got all of them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was actually it was actually pretty well done. I was shocked. (laughs) No offense to him, but I'm like, huh, (laughs) interesting that you actually this is this has got some good stuff in it. So is is that the kind of people you're kind of looking for? Or, I mean, is, or, or more importantly, are those the kind of people that benefit the most? I guess would be the good question. Yeah, um, I would. I would say, I don't know. It just it really depends on what you like, because um, I honestly feel like I can help. I, you know, like marketing is my jam. I'm addicted to it. I can study it, even though I already have my own beliefs on how to market. I'm gonna study other ways, and just because I'm just a total dork about it, um, but. And but I I feel like I can help anyone that has a business that wants to make money market and market themselves. Um, I just choose to niche down with thought leaders, authors, people who have an expertise. Um, because n- number one, like I just love learning. I love books myself, and it's just this crazy addiction to improving myself. But I really feel that it's not politicians that are going to save the world. It's going to be people like you and me, Jari, who have ideas, who want to help and serve our communities yep. and 100%. work on, you know, be down there in the trenches, working with people, bettering their, pro- bettering their lives by solving their problems. 
100%. We're solving their problems with our expertise. We're not passing laws and arguing in the freaking city council meetings. You know, we're not doing any of that stuff. No offense to anyone who's really into politics, because I, I have friends that just argue about this stuff all day. But <laughs> me, too. <laughs> me too. It drives me crazy sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, like someone who say, for example, like, hey, they're they're an expert at um, one of my recent my recent clients is, believe it or not, she's an she's an acting coach and she wants to help other actors find acting gigs. And, you know, on the surface, that might sound like, oh, OK, helping someone find gigs. But no, I see it as they're helping people solve their problems of not feeling fulfilled, not feeling like they're good enough to be actors, second guessing a passion that they've maybe invested so many months or years into. So the way I see it is this where people like authors who have an expertise willing to share it with others, dedicate the time to writing about it. Um, those are just my kind of people. That's who I am. And that's who I want to surround myself with. And I feel like we can get really good results for those type of people as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a, it's the cycle of goodness or the goodness, the virtue cycle, I like to say, you know, because I'm, I'm with you. Like if you've learned something, if you've like battled the dragon and came back with the gold, you need to share that. And people will be like, well, isn't that conceited? And well, who am I? I'm like, look, who are you? You are someone that went through something and needs to tell people so that someone else that's going through the same thing you're going through will be like, oh, well, if you can do it, so can I. Like, I, I remember like, like every time I talk about, you know, like my late wife and, and how, you know, when she died and all that and the challenges and struggles I had with that. Yeah, it seems a little like self-serving to one sense, like, oh, well, who are you, you know? And I feel that way a lot. But then when someone comes up to me and says, hey, man, I really appreciate you sharing that. I feel the same way. Or I'm so glad that I that you told me about your struggle and how you solved it because I'm going through this exact same thing. And you can apply that to business, like the actors, like thing that you mentioned, and any kind of thing where you're trying to improve someone else or get them to get to their next level. I mean, reason why I do this podcast, it's because one, I want to meet interesting people and talk with them because I love talking to entrepreneurs. Two, you know, I want to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world by educating and inspiring the next generation of entrepreneur. And how we do that is we share what we what we know. And again, am I some like, you know, <laughs> you know, Elon Musk or whoever? I'm not a billionaire, I'm not, no, nowhere near that. But not every entrepreneur is ever going to be an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates or, I mean, it's, there's going to be a lot of us who are going to sit here and do exactly what we do and toil around and we love it and we make a living at it, but we're not like, you know, unicorn billionaires and <laughs> those people need a voice and those people that are doing that need to know that that's okay. So I mean, that's a great point, man. That's well, point. yeah. And, and what was funny is when we were talking before, like, you know, you had that cold email you sent me, which again was brilliant. Turns out, uh, got a little bit more than you bargained for with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let us, do, let us be getting on this podcast right now. Yeah, there was that. And, but then also, you know, careful what you wish for in terms of, you know, expansion of the business. And oh, right, right, right. So yeah, okay. So let me just expand on that a little bit. Um, yeah, love you too. I had sent Jari an email completely out of the blue, found him on LinkedIn, um, got his email through LinkedIn, and I sent him an email and basically just kind of a, a pitch for a business, straight up. That's what it was. Um, and my style of copywriting is, I don't feel like it's unique, but I try to make it my own because, you know, everyone, everyone online, they all sound the same. Mm -hmm. I interject a ton of my own humor into it and like almost like just how I talk and as if I'm talking to my friends, having some beers on a campfire, just shooting the breeze. And I talk quite regular. I'm joke. I joke a lot. And that stood out. Um, it stands out with a lot of people. It stood out with Jari and at the beginning, when I sent that out, um, I'm not sending out a million of these every day. I'm only sending out 25 a day because I don't want to ban my email. But doing that for a period of two months, um, it netted, I wouldn't say netted, but it got us a whole ton of, a whole bunch of clients. 
too many clients to the point where I was telling Jari before this interview, like, oh man, I'm actually burnt out right now. I need to restructure my offer. Uh, We're doing too much done for you work. I'm working from the morning until nighttime. I have no more balance. And I'm actually super excited just to take this break and just talk, <laughs> just talk and not be sitting here writing sales copy, managing a team, looking over design work, answering emails. And it's a good problem to have. I know it is. I'm not trying to say that I'm in a dire situation where, oh, woe is me. I got too many clients. Boo hoo. Um, this is my own fault. It's my own fault because um, I didn't pace myself, took on too many, too much clients than I needed to, or then I... I wouldn't say needed to, but I'm definitely stretching myself out. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> it's the power of one digging into um, your prospect because that cold email to Jari was not completely cold. Like we did the research on his LinkedIn profile, we looked at his uh, website, we found the title for his book, and we scrounged for around for his email address. His email address is not always publicized on LinkedIn either. Right. And then just add some of your personality to it. So that's how you stand out in the inbox. That's how you show that you're a human person. Because, you know, we all get these, we all get these emails and it sounds robotic. It doesn't sound like it's even a real person. No one wants to respond to a robot. But when you're yeah. a real person, it's like, okay, this guy merits at least a yes or a no. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, the thing I liked about it the most was, and this is what I was teaching people yesterday. So I'm like, look, it had a personal touch. You knew who I was. You gave, you know, it was a little bit of a, you know, like an ego stroke, like, hey, I've done some research on you. Not a ton. I, you don't have to like know all of my work. Although there are some people that, um, depending on how high ticket an item it is, they will literally like spend time after time, like really cultivating this. So what, what, what Jay did was sort of like, in my opinion, if you're going to do cold outreach, the minimum to actually be effective. And, you know, 25 a day, that's a pretty good number. Could be a little less. It can't be any more than that. I think that that you just get, it, it's just not as, per, you can't spend the time to really dig in. And, and when I talk about time, I mean, how long did it take for you to like do the research on pitching me? Yeah, yeah. So um, just for someone who's curious about this whole process, if you want to get clients, cold emailing is a good way to do it. Um, it's a good way to get your first first round of clients. And to also validate your offer to see if it's even something people want, because what you want to do in the cold email, at least before you even send it out, you need to do a little bit of research, name, email, very standard. Uh, In our situation, we're helping authors write book or helping authors, people who already have books to use their books as kind of their launch pad to grow their business. So one thing that we do research is the title of their book. Uh, And one of the things that the main platform that we used to research and get that information is LinkedIn. And then on LinkedIn, uh, people usually give their websites. So there is their LinkedIn profile page where we search author, Boolean search and coach, author and coach. A lot of people don't put their book titles on their LinkedIn profile. They just put that they're an author. So we have to look on their websites. Sometimes they don't even put it there. Sometimes we have to take it a step further and look on Amazon. Now, I'm not doing all of this work myself. I have an assistant. I had two assistants doing this, and we built a database, and then we put all of that into um, uh, an email an email sender that sent 25 a day for, um, like I said, a period of two months. Oh. The research, wow. though, the research took a while. We were doing yeah. it for a while. I was trying to show them how to research properly and yeah. kind of like filter check as in, hey, this book is old. This book is not a, this is a, this is a romance novel. We don't, we're not talking to these people. You know, there was a bit of that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was just building the database. And then from there, we were just like, all right, see what we got here. Let's just send it out and go. Interesting. So for an author, because see, what's interesting is like what you said, like sometimes it's hard to find out what the author wrote, you know, like you have to dig in down in the, in the weeds. Um. And I always tell author friends and and just people that are trying to be thought leaders in general or trying to get out there, you got to make it easy for people to find you and what you talk about. You got to make it easy for them to write about you. So this is still akin to like, okay, Jay is trying to find authors, 
but there could be other people trying to find you as an expert. So make it easy for them to find you and actually tell your narrative in the, in a way that they actually, that's the narrative they catch up on. Right. So, so interesting that some of some authors just didn't, didn't, didn't bother to put it in their LinkedIn profile. It was hard to find what they wrote, even as an author, which I find is one of the challenges actually with um, being a writer specifically, uh, because again, half the battle is writing a book. The other half of the battle is the promotion and the business side, the authorpreneur side, again, is, is Joanna Penn uh, coined, which was, is an awesome, awesome term. And it sounds like from you know, like you're just trying to find authors, what, a, what an interesting insight. Like make it easy for Jay to find you, (laughs) even though he may pitch you. (laughs) That's a good sign that as an author and a thought leader, people are pitching you. So as an example, you know, one, um, I'm definitely with your permission going to include your pitch in the book because I think Mm. it's awesome. So I'll make sure that you do that. But the other thing that I just, just as an aside for people is, you know, since I do this show and people look at the show and I, I promote it on LinkedIn and all these sort of things. I, people can find me as a podcast host, right? For the entrepreneur ethos. So now I get a lot of inbound emails pitching, Hey, can you want to put this person on your show? Now to some people that could be annoying. And some of these pitches are really bad. Most (laughs) of them are actually pretty good because they're from firms, but this is the indication that you're easily found. Not, not if it's like, you know, spammy. Okay. Yeah. You're on a silly list, but if someone like Jay find you with a, with a thoughtful pitch that's researched and you're like, yeah, that's who I am. That's a really good indication that you're doing it right. And that sounds counterintuitive, but I just now thought I'm like, gosh, because as authors, as an example, if you're going to try to promote your book, like what you do, even, even if you're an, even if you are doing like a memoir or fiction or whatever, you want people to read your stuff being easy to find and then going out and doing what you did to get interviews. This is another thing I was telling people to get interviews like that personalization touch spot on. And I love the whole, you know, 25 a day, like do a research, get as many as you can. I don't know. How many did you start out with? Like how many did you finally get? Like how many authors in this list, this database? Mm, it's a, it's quite a big database. We actually had to pause it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had a, we actually had to pause it because, like I said, we're starting to get too many calls, too many clients. Um, and I and you and you're right, Jari, because that you know, like most cold emails get ignored, mm-hmm. but the the amount of time that we spent to research it made our cold emails so much more effective. Because everyone knows, everyone knows that hey, this is a cold email. Yeah. But at least they did the research, and then yeah. that research is what warrants us responses. And and a, a lot of times people just want to. Hey man, I'm I'm not interested right now, but I'm gonna keep your keep your uh, contact information fresh because this email copy is so good, or they just want to have a chat. A lot of people will say, "I'm not ready right now, um, but I would love to support you because you're a human in their eyes now." Yeah, um, yeah, yeah and, cool. and yeah, it's 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 good that you're telling people to put their work out there <laughs> because yes, one, it would help help people get found for their work but one thing i realized when when uh we do find their work and then we realize that like, this wasn't on your profile at all i feel that a lot of them are they are embarrassed by their books they oh yeah so this yeah this is this is a weird thing that i found out through just this campaign that this cold email campaign we did um they have their books they have their business but their book maybe have not performed as well as they had expected it to. Mm. And now it's, Oh, I'm going to rewrite that book or oh, I'm not even promoting that book anymore yet. It's still, at least from the tight judging from the title and the summary, it's still directly related to what they're doing, but they just don't want to promote it. And then, you know, just looking at it, it's like, okay, this book maybe has, you know, two reviews or it's published a long time ago or the cover is outdated, whatever the case is. Um, they just, I, I feel now this is just theory. I don't straight up ask them, but I usually just find that it's like, okay, it's not really like, it's not like a, a, a banger of a book that they were like, Oh yeah, I'm the author of this. Book. No, they're not doing that. 
they're like, hmm, that's, they're trying to like brush it underneath the rug. Like, no, I didn't write. I wrote that, but I'm not promoting it because it's, you know, whatever. It's like, they feel it's subpar. No, no, no. I, you know, when it comes to, I think when it comes to like business books, this nonfiction stuff, coach, like people dabble in this. Right. And, and, and it's like anything, you know, writing is a practice. It's a skill. You have to be very blue collar about writing. You can't be, you know, head in the sky, you know, you got to do the work, man. Like it's just a grind, like write sentences. And then you write more sentences. You get better at that. Then you write pages and then you write books. Right. I mean, I've done six books. My first book is a total disaster. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm mine like, too. Mine is the same <laughs> Right. But I wrote it and it's out there and you can look it up and, you know, and people have been like, oh, this thing's a piece of junk. Yeah, it's a piece of junk, but I, the next one's better. The next one will be even better. And even if, and I, I like that point, that's actually a really good point. Even if you've written something or you're trying to be a thought leader or you've got content or anything that's related to your business, you know, if you've got an asset like that, it doesn't, and it's not performing, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad asset. You may not be applying the proper marketing techniques or PR or outreach techniques to it. And it's funny that like, I can see that. I think you're right on. I think people get embarrassed. I think they're just like, oh, Jay, no, man, (laughs) I want to get it down from Amazon, but I really can't. It's got two reviews. I I feel horrible. And it probably is because writing the book burnt them out so much that they're like, this is done. Check off the list, bucket list done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, then how do you like convince them to refresh it or what's the like thought process or have you said like, well, look, we can help you refresh it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a great question. Okay. So, um, so if someone has a book that's still directly to still directly related to their business and they say, Oh, it's an old book. I'll, I'll, I'll just ask questions. Okay. So what's, what's old? What, how much have you learned? Are the tactics in there still valid or is there new ones you learned that are just going to help it? Or is that just completely different from what you're doing now? You know, I'll ask these different questions. Um, if the book is still, is still helpful, then I usually say, okay, what do you, what do you feel like you need to add to it? Uh, well, okay. I've learned this, this, this. Okay. Why don't we create little videos of you teaching that topic? And oh. stack that on as a bonus. So now you're you're selling the book still. You don't have to redo all the work that you've already done. Interesting. And let's just add bonuses, which are all the things that you're going to need to add anyway. So let's add those, or let's or let's add those as little order bumps on or little upgrades. Upgrades, right? It could be like the order bump slash upsell slash downsell, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. So let's let's add these things, but let's not redo the work that you've already done. I I don't. I don't really like to give my clients homework, but mm. in some cases they need to because really because they don't feel like their books are good enough. Mm. So they are the ones that are wanting to do all of this stuff. I just try to tell them like, you don't have to start over. You don't have to stop this locomotion that's moving forward. Let's keep the train going, but let's not have to redo everything. Just add these few little things to it. Oh, so that's, that's a one really easy way to do it. Um, if they don't like the cover, which we had, we had, we had that with one particular client. Hey, okay, let's let my team redesign a cover for you. And then let's change a few things up and release another edition. So it's kind of like just reviving the book, but we're not, again, we're not trying, we're not trying to start from zero all over again. We're going, we're just, we're at a hundred. Let's peel back and go down to 80, 85, redo that last t- t- 15, 20%. And then let's go back to hundred all over again. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what I did with my first, my first book. It was called Frustration Free Technical Management, and it was just uh, like, okay, I, I got a book, blah blah blah, and I ref- I was f- upset with it, you know, and then I got I refreshed it. My my Jane was was like, you should refresh this. So yeah, I got a new cover, redid the thing, and you know, a lot better. Um, felt felt more confident on it, but yeah, it's like yeah, it had some problems. <laughs> I should have done a little bit more, but you know, I mean. I think that what's interesting about books is that the level of perfection that people require is just insane. Like people get upset when there's a typo or something. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a software SaaS, like business thing, like writing blogs and copy, like things shit happens, man. Like, 
you know, you got to move faster than you, that than to yeah. you know, nitpick at the details. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's be de- you know, details are fine. And, and believe me, of course, everyone wants to do a quality product. Don't get me wrong, but to have that, the reason that you're not pushing it forward or not updating it, like there's a, there's a mental block there. And, and I think it has to do a lot with, I mean, at least for me, and, and I think for some other people, and I'm curious if some of your clients feel this way, there's the embarrassment, but then there's also like, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, oh yeah, am I really the expert on this? And again, I get this all the time. Personally, I'm just like, oh man, can I really say that? Like, you know, I'm not a billionaire. I'm not this, you know, exited all these startups, but I got to, I got, you know, got something to say. So do they, do they have that problem? Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Because if you think about it, Jari, when you write a book, you're basically giving the world the green light to judge you. Oh. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's like giving a webinar. It's like, um, pretty much raw out here, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. And, and naturally, where do we think about books? Where do we buy books at? We think about Amazon. What, yeah. do, we th- what do we do when we're searching Amazon? We search, we search stuff, but we go straight to the reviews. Yep. So um, automatically... You're feeling like, oh man, people are gonna judge me. They're gonna judge my content, and there's there's the ways to solve that. I mean, there's there's never a full way to solve imposter syndrome. As much as we read about it, how to solve it, like we do this to try to fix our own thinking. We're all gonna get some of it every now and then. One thing to help is to real is to one just be very clear on what you're teaching. Be clear so you don't feel like you know. Let's say, uh, I'm I'm in marketing, right? I'm not going to teach how I'm not going to teach um, how corporations can build their personal brand so that the world can see it. No, because that's outside the scope of my marketing. Right, I'll talk right. about maybe specifically online marketing mm-hmm. or specifically uh, how, how authors can sell their books, you know, very, very toned down and narrowed into a specific topic. So, yes, I can talk about that. And I now I don't have to feel like I have to write freaking encyclopedias about how to how to market your business slash corporation slash X, Y, Z, just be very clear on one topic. Another thing is I like to have my authors when, when they're first writing their books to gauge and ask what their people want to learn about. Yeah. That way. So, important. you know, like, Oh, what are you, what do you want to know about? Now you hear directly from your audience what they want. So now you tell them, you, you know what they want and you deliver on exactly what they want. Yeah. But that also mitigates some of that fear because again, you it's, it's a green light to get judged. And no one wants to get judged in a, you know unfairly or be told that they suck. I mean, no one wants that. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. It's <laughs> yeah. a horrible feeling. I mean, yeah, that webinar I did yesterday, part of what I wanted to gauge is like, okay, is this topic, you know, pitching, like just cold, cold pitching to you know, to, uh, podcasters and media outlets and stuff. Okay. Is this something that people are interested in? It, it turns out people are, but then the topics that I think are interesting or that I think should be told, or I think I should teach or were a little bit different than they wanted. So that feedback mechanism is now going to drive. Okay. Now I'm, you know, like I, I think I told you before, I'm going to write this book in 30 days because of NaNoWriMo and it's you know going to be an ebook and it's, you know, it'll have its problems, but I've got a good sense now, like, this is what people want to hear about and talk about. Like, this is what they want to learn. And so that's a great thing. And that's the thing I think with books, that's so hard for a lot of people to understand because you can iterate like a blog and a product in public constantly, but for whatever reason, we put books on a pedestal, like the book is done. Like it shall sit there forever. You know, (laughs) I mean, there's a reverence for it and I get it because Books are a big deal. Like, I don't care how, I don't care if it takes you 30 days to write it or 180 days to write it or a thousand days to write it. Like writing a book is hard. It's a great way to synthesize your thoughts. And it is probably the best mechanism to, you know, get people excited. I mean, there's video and everything, but it all, everything always starts with the written work, always scripts, videos, like, and so I think there's a, like a reverence to it which can be tough to overcome. And uh, I'll tell you too, Jari, like no one, you know, we could spend a lot of time building these webinars and these sales presentations and all these different things, spend the same amount of time putting your knowledge into a book. 
And if you push them out at the same time, your webinar might be good. You might have the energy to do it for a few weeks. You might decide to automate it, whatever. But your book, if it's a good book, equally as good as your webinar, your book is going to be so much more valuable because people don't say, hey, man, you should check out this webinar. They say, oh, man, you should read this book, though, because they say people are proud about the books they read. Yeah. No one's going to say, hey, man, I was staying up last night watching this <laughs> webinar and it was so good. I couldn't put it down. And no one says that. Yeah. Your book, on the other hand, people are proud of the books that they that they read. They yeah. talk about it. They put it on social media. They take photos of the pages and yeah. share and it. They tag their authors. They build rapport with their authors. Like it's just so much more different. It's timeless. People can say no one's reading books anymore, but yet books have withstood time. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. People continue to read. I think you just have to, you have to up the content game. Got to write better. That's just the way it is. There's so much out there, but I think also as like a basis for, if you were going to do a webinar a coaching or training, having a book to ground it, to say like, you can, you can experience me by reading this. I mean, you can watch a video and listen to a podcast, like people all the time say, Oh, yeah, I heard your podcast and you sound like, you know, you're really easy to talk to and you sound like you know what you're talking about. And sometimes occasionally you're funny. <laughs> like they get to know you, they get to know you because they hear your voice. But I think also, you know, a book is, is like an intimate thing as well. Like you can't really do two things at once when you're reading a book. You can only read the book. So you're more engaged. I mean, a podcast, you could clean your room or a video, you can kind of do it in the, in the background, but yeah, there's this reverence to it, I think. That's yeah, a really good that's point. a great point. That's I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, you should. Well, because I think it's true. I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's true because there's just a certain amount of cachet. You know, like everyone I talk to, other than my author friends, but everyone I talk to, yeah, you know, I think I can write a book. It's like 90% of the people are like, yeah, I'd really love to write a book one day. It's like, well, why aren't you? Because it has that level. It's that pedestal. Like you're an author, right? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're not a writer anymore. Once you've published a book, you're an author. You're an author. <laughs> yeah. You are <laughs> an ask- author and you are an authority. Yeah, so. exactly. You got your little ascot on. <laughs> <laughs> little peace pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if I used to drink, it'd be, you know, I don't drink anymore, but it'd be like a sifter brandy as I, you know, look at my... Book, huge bookcase of all of my awesome books because I'm a genius or whatever. Yeah. But it's yeah. such a, it's, it's so powerful, man. And I really appreciate you, uh, you sharing your insights, man. It's, I know it has been tough last couple of months, you know, a good problem to have in one sense, but also we talk a lot about on the show, you know, the mental health aspects of being an entrepreneur, you got to watch out for. So. Yeah, today, no, absolutely. I need to find that balance again. <laughs> <laughs> I can laugh about it with you right now because I'm taking a break. As soon as this, this podcast is over, I'm going to zen out for maybe 10 minutes and get right back to work. And I'm yeah. going to realize like, oh, man, I love this, but right now it's not fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> but but Jay, so uh, stay safe, stay sane, keep up the great work. And uh, thanks again for being on the show. Oh, man, it's my pleasure to be here, Jari. Much love, brother. Thanks for inviting me on here. Thank you so much, Jay, for being on the show. Uh, gosh, what a great conversation. Really, really appreciate what you're doing, trying to do. And again, I'm glad you cold emailed me. So great job. Now, as promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Jay. For cold pitching, which Jay excels at, do your research. Do just enough research so that your readers know they're not just some names, but someone you've specifically decided you're interested in connecting with. And this is really important, right? Anytime you're doing any business, business is all about relationships. People do business with people they trust and know or know, like, and trust as the adage goes. So, you know, if you're going to do some cold outreach, you know, figure it out who you're actually outreaching to. So ask these sort of questions. Who's the person I'm outreaching to? What are they up to? What are they doing? Who, you know, who may I, I know that they know? I mean, spend a little bit of time. I mean, we're not talking a ton of time, maybe a couple of minutes. And clearly this isn't going to be for like thousands upon thousands of people, but for outreach, uh, for biz dev and stuff like that, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be having these, you know, 25 to 30 
kind of to 50 contact cohorts that you really do deep research on so that you can, you know, figure out if you may be able to do business with them. You don't have to be the ultimate authority to write a book. A book can be a great jumping off point for starting a dialogue and engaging potential clients. And I truly believe this. I mean, one of the things that's so important about books is that they synthesize your thinking. So a clear thinker will be able to write a clear book about what they're thinking. And if you want to clarify your thinking, the best thing in the world to do is write it down. So my whole philosophy is you kind of learn, do, and then teach. And the teaching part's writing the book. So I always encourage people to do this, no matter how short the book is, no matter how you know crazy it may seem, I think anyone can write a book and should. If you have a book you're not entirely proud of, see if you can repackage it. Jay also suggests offering add-ons to update it. Instead of redoing the book, for example, you can offer recorded training as a bonus. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the first, I laugh because if you look at my first book, Frustration-Free Technical Management, ah, the the first edition of that thing was a disaster. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say a disaster, but I mean, it was my first effort, right? It had a lot of typos, a lot of problems and challenges, but you know what? I put it out there. You know, I, I tried right? And effort matters. Like the results may never be there, but you can absolutely control the effort. So if you have written something and you want to update it, you know, think about how you can augment it. Can I do a audio version? Can I add a, uh, you know, my favorite thing is a workbook or a worksheet or a template, right? Because people love templates. They love being able to do a process or something. So there you have it. The actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Jay. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.